When music was music. The 90s. <laughs> the 90s was a decade. That was good for a lot of things. Back in the old days, the 1990s. Oh, God. Welcome back to Colombo and Katie on 1019 News Talk STL. Tony Colombo here with Katie Fitzpatrick in studio. Great stuff. That first hour, if you missed anything, make sure you are subscribed to the Colombo and Katie podcast, which we put out. Every day, right after we get off the air every day, we put the show out as a podcast on basically every podcast platform, so you don't have to miss anything that ever happens here on the show. Just subscribe to the Colombo and Katie podcast on your favorite platform, and you'll get it all, including our great weekly Monday afternoon conversation with Rob Carter, host of the Rob Carter Show, which you can hear, of course, every weeknight at 8 p.m. Your show sheet still says Sundays at 6. you got to fix that. Oh, gosh. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Here on News Talk SDL because we are the home of the most live and local content uh, that you will find anywhere. Rob, uh, great to talk with you, my friend. Thanks for being here day after Super Bowl. I hope... Uh, I hope you've fully recovered from whatever party you attended last night. Uh, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Neither did I. I was on my sofa, all alone, in the dark. All alone. <laughs> that is how I prefer it these my days. My wife was watching her uh, her show on her uh, phone. Yeah. Watch the Super Bowl. There you go. There you go. Um, you know, the Super Bowl has become, of course, and this is one of the reasons that I stopped watching sports in large degree. I grew up my entire life, well into my adulthood, well into my 30s, 40, uh, as a sports fanatic. I played sports, watched sports, but as as some as politics bled more and more into sports, and it no longer was you know getting away from the real world. You know, it used to be a relief, and then it wasn't anymore. And then there's also some silly like I got fed up with some of the changes to the games and things like that but we won't we won't get into any of that but that was you know of course after the Super Bowl a great football game in itself but a lot of a lot of politics uh, coming out of it we were just mm-hmm. discussing uh, the reaction about uh, Joe Biden turning down the Super Bowl interview and how he is not only getting criticism from people on the right and his uh, normal critics but a lot of people on the left sounding the alarm that if he can't do a 20-minute puff piece Super Bowl interview, especially after the report that came out last week, how can he possibly stand on a debate stage or go on the campaign trail um, if it's this bad? What are you, what's your take on that? Um, I find it kind of almost amusing that it's now people are starting to figure out that he's not all there. I mean, he hasn't <laughs> been all there since day one. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you're just no watching kidding. the slow, you know. Uh, slow grind into completely um, unable to form a sentence at all. So it's um, it's it's a strange world. It I'll is. put it to you that way. That whole that Super Bowl, I've been saying for a long time, it is a one long piece of propaganda, primarily Pfizer and some other things. Oh yeah. And uh, the, a Super Bowl breaks out in between, or a football game. It's just so much. It's so much propaganda. Like you said, it does get hard to uh, get entertained by it anymore. It's it's over the top. Did you find also ironic? I mentioned this at the beginning of the show that the he doesn't do the interview, but he does put out like a 45 second commercial attacking corporations and what is the biggest corporate spectacle mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong that he did that. It's just the the irony of him coming on television and saying, you know what's wrong with this country and you know who is making your lives terrible. It's big companies and corporations right in the middle of the biggest 
corporate consumerism, capitalism stage it's, it's of the year. I, I just found that to be highly ironic, and and it definitely made me giggle. He's one of those. Um, um, well, did you see the he put put out something to about getting snacks and the, the yes. inflation? Oh, did Rob, that? that's yeah. what I wanted. That's, to that's what I'm talking about. Yes. That statement yeah. where he attacked. Yes. Well, yeah, he attacked companies yeah. in that same piece. Ahead, shrinkflation, I love yeah, that. That's I mean, what, yeah. Binomics and shrinkflation. Somebody needs to do a better job at labeling and creating names. He needs to talk to, you know, whoever on Trump's team came up with Meatball Ron. They need to, to get together. <laughs> to help Joe Biden. Rod, that's what I wanted to talk to you about is that the other half of this, um, not commercial, but let's say discussion of that Joe Biden put together was about Bidenomics, the way it's working, how great it's been for uh, the American economy and how horrible shrinkflation's been because companies are so bad and they're taking away from the consumer. I'm wondering, Rob, since he didn't want to do this big Super Bowl interview, was it the right move for him to try to boost something like Bidenomics during something that's supposed to be fun and entertaining, was this the right move for him? I don't think it matters anymore. I think they've already decided that he's out. I think that's. I think it's bigger than him. I think the Democrat part. I think the DNC picks who they want. That's why you saw in 2016 when they took it away from Bernie and gave it to Hillary. They're picking who they want. This is a charade on the DNC side. I start to wonder if it's the same on the RNC side, but I think it's a charade on the DNC side. So I think they've decided that he's gone. Now, the next question is, and that's why they're starting to roll out Kamala. She's ready for service, mm-hmm. and everybody's now figuring mm-hmm. out that Joe Biden has a fuzzy memory. He can't really think straight. They're just now, just now starting to figure that out. So uh, just the fact that people are just starting to now figure that out is a little bit scary. I mean, if you watch this guy for the last three years, he's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. He says but- things that are so bizarre and so off the chart. It's, you know, you can make a 30-minute reel of the gaps where he's just off on another planet where he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, he's like that. Remember that beauty contestant from South Carolina and they ask her something about maps and yeah. she went on for 20 minutes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He I does do that two or three times about. a week. Yeah, it's just that they don't show it on network news, but he does it two or three times a week. You can find it out there and they just suppress it and try to you know prop him up. So yeah. I think he's going away. And here's what I kind of think is going to happen just on that topic because I'll talk about this a little bit tonight on my show. I think what they want to do is I, I actually think Kamala is next in line. Everybody thinks there's going to be some outsider. I think the I think Michelle Obama and Kamala are going to be in this. That's just a gut feeling that I have because they're rolling around, rolling both of these people out at the same time. And I have a sense that you know, Michelle might be some form of an advisor or something to do where she really starts to push and campaign for Kamala. And, you know, it's um, um, I, I think they just want a puppet there. So if the country's going to go in the wrong direction, they'd rather have a puppet up there than somebody deep in the establishment. She's just she'll say whatever the script says, just like Joe Biden will say whatever the script says. That's a great just point. Like shrinkflation. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. She does need a lot of rehabilitation with her image, however, with the American people, because you know if there's anybody less popular than Joe Biden, it's Kamala Harris. But uh, right. but, but wait till the, Michelle Obama gets. Uh huh. I'm just going to say a little magic dust sprinkled oh, yeah. on by the Obamas might do the trick. Um, I wanted to, while we have time, I wanted to shift to a couple of uh, other stories of the day. Uh, one, another report, We, Katie and I have talked about this a couple of times over the last few weeks. Another report out today by NBC News about Joe Biden behind the scenes raging against Benjamin Netanyahu and calling him names and taking issue with the war in Israel while still publicly 
um, barely uh, publicly holding on to his support of Israel. And I think this could be another. We talk about how telling it is that he doesn't do that interview. I think this could also be very telling. This NBC News report today uh, said that Biden is complaining that Netanyahu is, quote, giving him hell despite his attempts to push for a ceasefire in the war in the Middle East. An NBC News source said about the war, quote, Biden feels like enough is enough and it needs to stop. Behind the scenes, Biden regularly refers to Netanyahu as this guy and has on multiple occasions called him a pain in my ass and an a-hole. The (laughs) NBC report comes one day after Netanyahu defended Joe Biden. Publicly in an interview yesterday, Netanyahu was asked about Biden's mental condition Coming off of the of of the special investigators report, specifically when it comes to conversations about the war and Netanyahu said about Joe Biden, quote, I found him very clear and very focused. We managed to agree on the war aims and many things. Sometimes we had disagreements, but they were not born of a lack of understanding on his part or my part. So Benjamin Netanyahu defending Joe, at least publicly, while apparently Joe Biden is bashing Netanyahu behind the scenes and Rob, my, my opinion is this is setting the stage because there's lots of reports that say that the pressure from the progressive left to not support Israel is starting to get to Biden, especially in an election year. What do you make of this story? And do you think that maybe Joe Biden is sort of uh, laying the groundwork to uh, change his tune about Israel in the future? Um, you know, it's a very complicated situation. So my, my take on it is. That Joe Biden is, I I say this all the time, just my personal opinion is Joe Biden is completely irrelevant. He he is nothing more than a figurehead. If you put put a sock puppet on your hand, that's all he is. So the question always with me is, who is the one running him? What are they trying to get accomplished? And it appears if you just watch how they roll out the propaganda on all the different networks and really stay in tune with the media apparatus, I think it's just a way to make him look like he's lucid and has an opinion. I don't think that Joe mm. Biden is saying anything about anything. I think he probably goes to bed really early. <laughs> I think he is being fed food all day long and they prop him up just enough to give like a little bit of information for maybe a minute or two minutes or three minutes when he's probably hopped up on some form of a drug so he can get through three minutes. And then they hide him again mm. and they hide him and they hide him. And they put out statements on Twitter, which, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's not putting out his Twitter statements quite obviously. So somebody else is putting those out there. So I think he is just... um He's almost uh, like an illusion of a president. He really has nothing to do with anything. This is my opinion, yeah. just in watching him. Yeah. And I think what they do is they they have handlers for him, the bureaucracy, whatever that is. And I have opinions on that too. But I think that is what writes the script for him. He reads it. The whole the DNC writes the script and they read the script. And whoever's really running the DNC would be a good question. Well, Who's so really that, that's it? exactly what I was going to ask you. You know, a lot, a lot of people say it's Barack Obama. Um, it, it, who, in your opinion, is it? Is it Obama? Is it a uh, a, a group? Is it a, a committee of of secret Democrats that uh, you know meet in a dark room and print out the 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 orders? Who is the one pulling the strings ultimately? You think? I think it's big money. So whatever the corporate BlackRock in general. So it's the people that control the money flow of the world, the Federal Reserve, the the big money of the world. It's been around for you know centuries. I think they are the ones that uh, I think the script really comes from whatever suits them best. You know, they're, they're moving chess pieces politically to get what they want. And then I think the intelligence agencies, I, these these last couple of conversations where Tucker Carlson was on with Vladimir Putin. Those are very interesting conversations that they're having because the mm-hmm. CIA is mentioned over and over again. And then you just look at 
I, I, I'm not conspiratorial. I just have, I'm curious. Why would we not release the information on the GF Kennedy assassinations when it was obligated by law? Trump didn't release that information. Biden hasn't released that information. And here we go with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. being the fly in the ointment with both parties mm-hmm. starting to run uh, as an independent. So there's a lot to digest there. There's a lot of moving parts going on in American politics. None can be really figured out. You just have to use your best guess as to what's really happening, in Rob- my opinion. I really want to talk to you about the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin because there was so much, there's been so much pushback for Tucker going to Russia and having this discussion, especially with what's going on in Ukraine. What were your thoughts and your opinions? Should he have gone? Should he have talked to Vladimir? Are we getting another side of the story? I mean, what were your opinions on that? Yes. I mean, for me, I think everybody should be open and I think they should be talking. I think that's what makes the world interesting is when you combat or have a conversation with whoever your enemy is, whether it be Republican or Democrat, conservatives, liberals, um, whether you're a foreign leader from China or the United States, I think the ability for the public to watch conversation, you learn from that and you just make decisions on where life is heading and how you want to manage your way through life. When I watched that and he made a mention of Tucker Carlson, he said, you know, you tried for the CIA and, you know, and thank God you didn't go into the CIA. I had just talked about that the night before. You know, Tucker Carlson's father was in Voice of America, which was in the intelligence business. If you follow the intelligence business, they're family oriented. They just pass it down from family to family because you want to keep it relatively tight. It's you're you're talking about the world's secrets. Mm. So when he's made that commentary and it started uh, talking about how Nord Stream 2 was attacked by the CIA um, how propaganda, you couldn't win a propaganda war with America because American propaganda is everywhere. These are things that I noticed as I traveled the world. I didn't realize how strong American propaganda was, but it's everywhere. It's all the way over in China. I mean, when you're in China, it's it's like you're in America now. <laughs> it's, wow. it's, you know, I got Starbucks and Hilton Hotels and McDonald's everywhere. And uh, CNN is on your television screens. It was on at the airport. It was on the airport in Hong Kong. So there's global propaganda that, and I don't know whether Putin's a good guy or a bad guy. I just don't know. I just know that my information sources are always skewing things toward more war, more money for Ukraine, division at home. It doesn't feel like we have a government that is really trying to make life better for Americans. And if they're not trying to make life better for Americans, I think somebody should ask why. <laughs> what are you doing? That's what I was. The borders are wide open and inflation's high, and nobody knows who the president is. Maybe we should pay attention. Yeah, right. And that was my that was my point. I and I, I said this when we were discussing this last week. It, interviewing somebody especially a controversial world leader at the center of a war right now interviewing somebody is not an endorsement of a person it's literally the press's job to do those investigations ask those questions to important people or the people at the center of any of any story or controversy that affects people this like there were people saying that Tucker Carlson shouldn't be let back in the United yes. States <laughs> or he should be banned completely because he's talking to Vladimir Putin. Why don't you want to talk to Vladimir Putin? I want somebody to ask tough questions and to ask, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that you take Vladimir Putin or anybody else at their word and you believe everything. Now, I, as I mentioned last week, if Tucker Carlson goes over there and all he asks Vladimir Putin is, hey, Vlad, why are you so great and perfect? Then, yeah, there's a lot there, there's a lot to complain about. But when when somebody's interviewing somebody at that level, especially who's at the, at the centerpiece of a, of a war that's a, a affecting the entire country, that's what journalism is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. 
I mean, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm, we're on the exact same page. I, I look at it as though I think the reason that people, certain media outlets and certain media personalities don't like the fact that Tucker Carlson is going over there is because you start to learn more about what's really going on in this country. You know, we as Americans are so, you know, we love the idea of freedom and liberty and we love our system and we'll, you know, we, we honor those who fought for it throughout the centuries. But our country has caused a lot of problems recently. I mean, all you got to do is look around at what happened in the Middle East. I mean, it's, it's really, we're stirring the problem. And then we're funding the arms to fix it. That's just reality. And that's what John, or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is saying right now on the campaign trail. I mean, that's what he's, he's, he's talking about the same things I've been talking about for four years. It's big money. It's the intelligence agencies. And they're using propaganda to sell it to Americans so that we can't figure out. We're constantly fighting while they're constantly doing whatever they want. They can send money over to Ukraine. We don't know anything about Ukraine. I have friends that live in Ukraine and the, the, I get a little different story from them. Yeah. And so we send money over to Ukraine and, um, you know, and, and then Mitch McConnell comes out and says, well, that money's really going back to us because it's going to our military contractors. Mm. Yeah. I have, I have friends yeah. that are Russian. You're starting wars so yeah. that you can fund your military contractors. That, I don't know up. that I want to be on that side all the time. I want to, I want that exposed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have friends that are Russian that came over here, you know, as a uh, foreign exchange students, uh, 10, you know, a decade ago or so that I've had interesting conversations that I have relayed on the air in the past that, yeah, a, a different perspective. Uh, for sure and that's it and that again that's why the more conversations the better not Absolutely. silencing or censoring uh, conversations rob carter uh, will be back at eight o'clock tonight one last question before we let you go uh, switching back locally i just found this uh, i found this headline in this story to be uh, funny in an ironic maybe sad kind of way the chief's victory last night will slow down an already slow missouri legislative session uh the house uh, major house majority leader john patterson announced before the game that a chief's win will result in, a, in no action on the floor Wednesday and Thursday of this week, giving lawmakers a chance to participate in the team's victory parade and rally wow. in Kansas City. So wow. an already slow, drama-filled, unproductive legislative session. Thanks a lot, Chiefs. You even slowed it down more with a victory. I just <laughs> I just find this to be just funny. <laughs> uh, it's comical. It really is. I mean, we're hoping we have a serious government in Missouri, but uh, I don't know. You tell me. You yeah. tell me what you think. I mean, it's just uh, they just can't get things done that the Missouri voters want. They just can't yeah. do it. Yeah. It's, no, it's not, not possible. No I don't kidding. know. I don't know. It's frustrating. I know that. Well, appreciate your thoughts and insight. As... We'll be at the big parade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? You could be our intrepid reporter. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, let us know how that experience is. Uh, at that You're point. On. Uh, that is Rob Carter. Again, you can hear him every weeknight, 8 to 10, live here on News Talk STL. Rob, really appreciate your time as always. We'll be listening tonight. Have a great rest of your day. You got it, guys. Thanks. Great show. Yeah, Thanks. back at you. Great stuff there from Rob Carter. All right. Katie and I are going to argue about Super Bowl commercials. I'm ready. And maybe Super Bowl halftime shows as well. Oh, boy. I now knew, we're getting sensitive. I knew you and I would have opposing opinions as I was watching some of this yesterday <laughs> I was like I hate this and I bet Katie loves this <laughs> so, you weren't wrong we'll see uh, what side you're on and we'll talk about it mm -hmm. next on Columbo and Katie God takes this long to get back for podcast articles and more find us on newstalkstl.com welcome back to Columbo and Katie 
didn't realize that this was going to happen. The president is speaking live right now at the White House about a uh, possible hostage uh, negotiation that is currently happening. So let's dip into this live at the White House and see what the president has to say. Many families have lost not just one, but many relatives and cannot mourn for them, even bury them, because it's not safe to do so. It's heartbreaking. Every innocent life in Gaza is a tragedy, just as every innocent life lost in Israel is a tragedy as well. We pray for those lives taken, both Israeli and Palestinian, and for the grieving families left behind. Not only do we pray for peace, we're actively working for peace, security, and dignity for both the Palestinian people and the Israeli people. And I'm working on this day and night with the king and others in the region to find the means to bring all these hostages home, to ease the humanitarian crisis and to end the terror threat and to bring peace to Gaza and Israel, enduring peace with the two-state solution for two peoples. As the king and I discussed today, the United States is working on a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas, which would bring an immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks, which we could then take the time to build something more enduring. Over the past month, I've had calls with Prime Minister Netanyahu, as well as the leaders of Egypt and Qatar, to push this forward. The key element of the deals are on the table. There are gaps that remain, but I've encouraged Israeli leaders to keep working to achieve the deal. The United States will do everything possible to make it happen. The King and I also discussed the situation in Rafah. As I said yesterday, our military operation in Rafah, the major military operation in Rafah, should not proceed without a credible plan, a credible plan for ensuring the safety and support of more than one million people sheltering there. Many people there have been displaced, displaced multiple times, fleeing the violence to the north, and now they're packed into Rafah, exposed and vulnerable. They need to be protected. And we've also been clear from the start. We oppose any force. That is President Biden live at the White House. He has the president of Jordan standing next to him as he delivers these live remarks. And we'll continue to keep an eye on it. And if there's any more details, we will let you know immediately. But according to what the president just said, he said that they are working on a... A negotiation, uh, negotiating on a hostage release, as well as a ceasefire, which he said would be at least a six-week ceasefire, if the details of of this um, agreement are mm-hmm. agreed to by all parties. He also he also sort of indicated there that while Israel has been part of the conversation. They didn't it, it, tell me if you interpreted that a different way, but it seemed like he was saying that uh, Israel was maybe not quite on board with all of these details as. Yes, that is what I the king of Jordan mm-hmm. and United States. I think that that's correct. That and they're yeah. not convinced that whatever this deed, whatever the in inner workings of this agreement would be, that Israel's not quite on board with the whole deal. And I wonder, I wonder what. 
the the inner workings of that deal could be because you also see, you know, Egypt and a lot of these other countries that are by Israel, they have been very um, standoffish, if you will, to even take in people, hostages, people from Gaza. They have been very standoffish in, I think, military aid stepping in. It's a very testy kind of, I mean, it always is, but this particular situation, you don't really see the other countries, I I think, coming in to help with this war. Yeah. The only details that uh, that have been released at this point about these negotiations is, again, that it would it would create a two state solution. Yeah. And I, I don't see that. Right. Which maybe is part of the resistance from Israel. I think it. Yeah. It would create a two state solution and it would it would secure the release of at least some number of hostages and would guarantee six weeks of a ceasefire and with the goal of that being more permanent. Those are pretty much the only details that are out at this moment, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's a lot more to come. Mm -hmm. So we'll continue to keep an eye on it and let you know as we have, uh, as we get it all in. This is breaking news as we are talking. One of the uh, advantages of being live and local for Mm -hmm. so long as we are each and every day. So as things, uh, as more information is disseminated throughout the afternoon, Tim and Chris, Rob Carter, Larry, they will be able to deliver that information to you. And of course, uh, we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. Uh, dipping back into the Super Bowl for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. Did you like them? Loved them. Loved every minute of the Super Bowl commercials. I, I told you today. I like I'm not jazzed about anything that has to do with sports, but all all in all, the Super Bowl, I thought was an incredible game. I told you I loved all of the commercials this from the serious ones all the way to the goofy ones. Mm -hmm. I loved the halftime show. Like I came in and I'm like, oh, that was so much fun to watch. I had a blast. That was my POV. The second half of the Usher halftime show I loved. The first half was a little bit of a slow, boring start, and I was and I was looking forward to it. Like Christine and I both were, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Come on, Let's come on, to get going!" It. And once Little John appeared, and <laughs> he saved the day. Yeah, and did and it said, "Turn down for what?" It was game yeah. on. <laughs> From yeah. that moment on, it was it was pretty great. I it thought. was so good. But uh, the commercials, I. <sighs> But why? <laughs> why are you being such a grumperton about the commercials? Yeah, what's so funny is that Katie and I were talking about this before the show, and the commercial that I used as my example of the worst of the worst was the Dunkin' Donut commercial, and that was your favorite. I loved every minute of it. I thought it was so fun. Does it make you want to? Does it make you want to buy go to Dunkin' Donuts more often? Does it make you want to buy Dunkin' Donuts products more than it did before? You know. You're like, oh man, I wouldn't normally have gone to Dunkin' uh, in the morning, but I will now you that know, I saw that. Ben Affleck. Well, it's not that. That's I mean, what it's supposed to be. It is It is what that's supposed to be, but there's there's remembrance in it, and it's not necessarily- Nostalgia? Not, like, I'll pass by a Dunkin' now, and I'll laugh because I'll think of that Super Bowl commercial, which is part of the marketing. Maybe I'm not going to go into Dunkin' because I'm not really a-, a They call, need to make money off of that do. commercial. They do. But I'm not maybe going to go in and buy the expensive coffee. That's just not how I roll. But I'll look at the Dunkin' and 
if I did have a hankering and there was a Dunkin' and a Starbucks, I'd probably more be more apt to do the Dunkin' because I think like, oh, they're funny. They put in a funny thing. I will fully admit that I am a pessimistic, stick in the mud, no, not our Tony, no, old man, <laughs> not so. I, all of that, all of that said, I I can see when I watch those commercials, I can see the boardroom of some multi million dollar marketing company sitting there with the heads of these huge corporations going, you know, what, who, who are the most relevant super celebrities out there? And let's pay them whatever we need to pay them to come on and be silly and do something dumb on our commercial during the Super Bowl. And then Americans will love us. And I just don't, it makes no sense to me to pay Tom Brady $15 million to wear a Duncan jacket and pretend he's a DJ to make anybody go, well, that's it. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to Duncan five days a week from now on because that was great. That, like, it just makes me just cringe. I think that is part of it, but like the other part to the commercialism that is now 2024 is that hype. Like it, they are trying to sell the product. You got the hype's got to come along with a financial payoff though. It's true. And I'm not maybe it does. Maybe it does. Maybe this works. Maybe people see that and they go, like did the Bud Light commercials do you think change anybody's mind about I don't know. Bud Light? I don't know. Cuz they ain't trying. But the glitz and the glam and the bombastic nature sure also part of it i know i understand the financial part taking the precedence but to put ben affleck who has been the duncan guy now for a long time and have j-lo a part of it and then matt damon i'm like tony come on that way the dunk king come on <laughs> matt damon hating his life to be forced to do it it was so good. And then the one with J- uh, Jason Momoa, too, which was the T-Mobile. And it's the two guys oh, from I hated Scrubs. That one too. <gasps> I hate that one, too. It was so funny. I love the guy from Scrubs. How about the line at the end when the lady was like, do it again, but this time take your shirt off? Yeah. And then she looked at the other two guys and she's like, you can keep them on. What if that was a girl? It would never be a what girl. What if a guy said, hey, do that again, lady, but take your shirt off? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I told you I'm a humorless old man. I get it. I get it. I'm a grump. You didn't like one commercial, not one. Uh, I didn't see that. I didn't see very many, but no, that that doesn't. None of that does anything for me. I think it's just Tony. I, I think it's. It's supposed to be cheesy. It's supposed to be corny. It's also supposed to be profitable. Well, Seven million dollars just for the commercial. How much yeah. do you think Jason Momoa got paid? How much do you think Ben Affleck got paid? And, and if, Matt Damon? if it was more than thirty seconds Ooh. too, if it was like a minute. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go crawl back in my cave. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to little John. Come on, Katie, back tomorrow, too. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in the meantime. And keep it right here for the O'Reilly Report next. The Tim Jones and Chris Arp Show at 4. Larry at 6. And Rob Carter at 8. Thanks for listening to Newstalk STL. Good, good.